Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Policy Viz podcast. I'm your host, John Schwabish. On this week's episode, I'm going to recap the recent tapestry conference that took place in Miami, Florida. And to help me do so, I'm very happy to have Cole Nussbaumer Naflick from Storytelling with Data on the show with me. Uh, before I get to the recording of our discussion, just a quick reminder. If you are interested in supporting the show, please consider being a Patreon supporter. Uh, you can help me cover costs of editing, recording equipment, transcription, and the web service fees. And also, if you're interested in winning a copy of Cole's book, Andy Kirk's book, uh, book by uh, Tukey, and book by Naomi Robbins, uh, I'm holding a little uh, fun contest uh, on the site, if you write a quick Amazon review of my book, Better Presentations, I'll enter you in a raffle to win one of those uh, packs of books uh, that I'll send to you at the end of the month. So you can check out the show notes and my blog for more information on that. So uh, on to the show. Okay, Tapestry Miami. Yes. Uh, did you have a good time? It was fantastic. It was, wasn't it? Yeah, I feel super energized. Yeah. The the chatter at the end of the day, like you know, it's been a good conference when it's over and people are still hanging yeah. out. Talking. They don't want to leave the room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was good. It was so tapestry has always been like a hundred people yeah. max or so, and we've been each been to a few of these, yeah. and and some of the previous ones have been they kind of put them in these boutique hotels, and the rooms kind of feel a little small and intimate, cozy, yeah, and cozy, which is nice, yeah. But also, this was sort of in a bigger room, yeah. and I felt like... I think there was more interaction because of it. Yeah, the, I did the too. The space afforded people to move around in a yeah. way that wasn't possible last year, Which is example. weird, because yeah. you think like an intimate space, yeah. it'd be more intimate, but I felt like with the big cavernous sort of auditorium that people did interact a lot more. And it somehow made, it made people more likely to switch chairs and sort of move around over the yeah. course of the day, where people weren't just stuck in their one spot. Right. Um, uh, we don't need to go through every talk because that's no one needs to listen to that. But um, when they can watch all the videos, they can watch all the videos. Yeah, so so I'll put links to everything. So um, when the videos come out, but the program started on Thursday, so they also added a half day, which they haven't done in the past. So the uh, event started on Thursday at one with Mona Chalabi from the Guardian. Now mm -hmm. the Guardian. Do you want to talk about her talk? Person. Yeah, I, I mean, you'll provide show links, I'm sure, yep. for um, folks to be able to check out her work. But I think something that's unique about Mona is the hand-drawn style, right? Yeah. Um, and, and probably people are familiar with some of the stuff that she's done over the years. But I, I thought it was interesting because part of her talk was about, and we touched on uncertainty in a number yeah. of the talks, but the, the, the hand-drawn aspect of it helps you convey some of this less precision in a way that can actually right. be useful because it takes people away from the numbers and gets them to focus on what they're right. looking at. Do you think at. that's true? So I agree. So we saw uncertainty a lot in the last couple of days. Yeah, like, well, and in very different ways. Right. It's not uncertainty so much as precision. Yes. Right? right. Because the in the hand drawn, because of the way the axis is over on the side, and it might be, uh, you know, you, you see the ups and downs, but you right. don't necessarily try to tie them to a specific number in the way that that we do. Right. She also doesn't, in Mona's case, she also didn't show any examples where she drew like a bar chart with a rectangle. That's true. But she would use all shapes or shapes. icons yeah. so that it's like a rounded, it's a rounded edge at the end. Yeah. So it's not exactly clear like, oh, that's. 
you know, that vertical line at the end of the rectangle is where the point is. When it doesn't make you in the same way apt, I don't think, to want to follow your finger across and figure out where it is in right. the axis because right. you, you don't sort of have the, the right benchmark yeah. to be able to do that. I thought one of her interesting points early on was how you you want to associate your audience with the topic, right? So yeah. that if they look at the, the graph or the picture, that they get a sense of what it's going to be about before they actually read any right. of it. Which is interesting. It made me think at the end of the day, because Elijah Meeks' talk, who we'll, we'll talk about in a little bit, he made a point in that talk of sort of lamenting the, I don't remember what he called it, but it's sort of like the drive-by chart, you know, that flies by on Twitter that's like, oh, I'm supposed to get it in a second. He kind of lamented yeah. that that's, that's yeah. the thing. But that's kind of Mona's whole... Whole I don't, thing, right? I on Instagram, don't know. I don't know if it was. I, I don't know if the goal is speed there, though. Which uh, was, I think, what Elijah's beef was with is that we prioritize that over everything else too often. Yeah. Uh, but more that um, the human connection piece, yeah. right? Of the right. you see something and you're sort of intrigued. I mean, she showed some really interesting, <laughs> let's say, visuals, right? At one point, I'm yep. just going to say it, we had gigantic drawn balls Very on big. the screen. Very and big. it made sense in context, right? But she does these things that she's not afraid to push boundaries in right. ways that's really interesting. She, yep. she mentioned a number of times how she's, she's really interested in the body and yep. bodily functions. Right. And yeah, we saw charts with penises yep. and a pie chart of rectal bleeding. And I someone that vomiting, right? I think. Yep. There was yep. a line chart of vomit or something. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the thing she also does really well is that she finds data that's sort of different yes. and that, you know, she just mines like the CDC website and she's finding all this stuff that's publicly just there yeah. and she's just finding it, which I think is probably characteristic of a good, certainly good journalist yes. and also probably a good data visualizer, data analyst. Yeah, I thought it was interesting to get insight into her design thought yeah. process yeah. and how she comes at it from multiple different ways. Because she talked about that, but then she also talked about the case where she'll have an idea for something, but then need to go after data that will help her make real that idea. Right, yeah. Which is sort of a different way of thinking about she it. She also talked about this, and I'm curious about, I'm sure you do this with, with the folks you work with. She also talked about this process that she has of when she'll make something and then she'll show it to friends. Yes. Actually, that was a fascinating, and yeah. I feel like people were taking a ton of notes yeah. during that piece of it because she said she has her, you know, six friends that are on a common thread or a text message, and that she always shows them things right. early on where she's, you know, she's sketched something up, so she hasn't committed a ton of time. But to be able to get that gut reaction of like either yeah, this kind of makes sense, or no, it doesn't, right. or no, this is way too yeah, this is way too much. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so I, I think that's like a if I were to you know come back to work. On Monday, and if, if someone would say, "What is the one thing that we should keep in mind?" Mm -hmm. Th that might be it for me. Is to say, "Look, don't make your graphs in isolation. Yes. That just because you, as the researcher or analyst, whoever, make your graph, put it in the paper, and then the editor, you know, cleans it up or whatever, um, and then even the web team looks at it. Like, show it to other people yes. and see if they get it. I, yeah. I think that's just a big step that people don't." Do, right? I'm sorry. I'm, I know I don't do that enough. Yeah, and it's one of those things. I feel like when you say it, it sounds really obvious. Right? Yeah, but, right. But when you make the graph, you know what the yeah. graph says because yeah. you made the graph. Yeah. And so there's such value. Yeah. I mean, it's a simple, like a simple line chart. Mm -hmm. yep. You know, if you, you know, there's a line, so there's a spike somewhere, and you, you've seen it many times, and you sort of become blind to it, and then you show it to your person next door, and they're like, "Why is this thing?" Yeah. So anyway, I thought that was that was neat. I think that can also help point out. She mentioned a couple of times how she got it wrong. 
right? Where it's yeah. misinterpretation of the data or, you know, there's some other issue. And, you know, if, especially if it's in a field that's not something you're super familiar with that you have, it's really easy to misinterpret data right. and uh, to, to have ways of being able to check that yeah. with other people. I mean, that's the double-edged sword of the work that she does, right? So yeah. she finds this really, this, this unique data set and then she visualizes it, but she might not be as familiar with it. Yeah. And there may not be the obvious person to call to say, can you help me with this throwing up after the night of being at the bar data? Like, yeah. yeah so. so Mona kicked things off. And then uh, what Tapestry has done the whole series is have these, what they call short stories. So they're 15, 20 minute talks. Yeah. Um, and that's uh, what we had for the next I guess, four speakers on Thursday. Aritra Desgupta from Emma talked about some research they were doing. Jason Forrest talked about some research he was doing on, on W.B. Du Bois. Um, and then Ken Field um, from Esri talked about cartography of election. That was the one for me that stood out um, for a couple of reasons. One being that map, I'm not a cartographer by any means. And like this challenge of mapping is such a big question in my mind of how we get people to understand yeah. Because there's such value, right? Because the map is something that people are familiar with, right. but then it can be sort of misinterpreted or yeah. not. And, you know, there's these, these distortions ways. by yeah. the geography. And he, you know, I think I had like glanced at his website once, but you know, really looked at it. And he has this collection of election maps in, in one page is of election maps in the U.S. and just seeing all of them put next to each other. Yeah. Um, and I just, I, I wonder about these cartograms, which we know are truer to the data in some way, mm -hmm. but not as recognizable. That's, right. the, that's the clear trade-off. And he, I thought he showed some interesting examples, though, where he starts with the thing that is recognizable, right. but then shifts it into yeah. the, some of these other variants of that yeah. uh, that are truer to the data, but where you still are able to connect it to some sense of what the geographical underpinnings right. are. This feel on maps that the tools drive a lot of the decisions that visualizers make, because we don't have a cartography background. Okay. It's like, okay, so Tableau or data wrapper or whatever the tool you're using is like, that's the projection. Okay, that projection must be right. But it's one of those things that it might not be right, or it might not be the best projection. We're not really, maybe most of us aren't thinking about it. Enough. Yep. But I like to talk. I thought, I thought that was a great talk. Did you have one in, in this group that you really liked? Yeah. So actually the one that we ended the day with, Johnny Walker, uh, who is a senior data analyst, or excuse me, senior data artist at Tableau, uh, presented a section on, or a, a presentation on the kakapo, uh, which is this rare bird in New Zealand. Um, and it was interesting for me, not topically at all, right? I, right. I actually don't care at all about this bird. It's <laughs> green and cute and fluffy, and it's sad that the population has dwindled. I, I'm a little empathetic, but, but it's not, uh, outside it's of that, this is not going to be something that I'm like listening to because I deeply care about this topic. Right. But Johnny so yeah. clearly, deeply cares about this topic that the passion was contagious yeah. in a way that I was so engaged to him as a presenter. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it opened up this interesting idea of, you know, the data is one piece of it and being able to communicate well with data, uh, you know, communicate uncertainty, all these things that we'll talk about or that people talked about at the conference. But there's this whole other piece that is the person who is presenting the data, uh, which I think we can think about in a live setting like we saw right. here. But, you know, the way that you present also clearly when it comes to if you're sending something around and the things you put around it, the words you put around it. Uh, but I, I thought that was just a good reminder that if you can tap into your passion when you're presenting in a way that um, 
that gets other people's attention, yeah. that can be a really useful thing for communicating more effectively Absolutely. with your data. And it's tough, I think, for a lot of people because when you're talking about healthcare costs or revenue projections, like it's hard to be enthusiastic about some of that stuff. See, right? and then that's where I think it's on the onus of, of us, right, of the people who are looking at the data or who are communicating data, figure out why is it interesting, right? right? If you can't figure that out, there's no way you're going to be able to get your audience interested yeah. about it. And we saw you know, examples of that. Yeah. So Johnny did the last talk, and then there was a, an hour of demos. Did you go to any of the demos? You know, I, kind of, I popped around a little yeah. bit, but I didn't spend a ton of time. On so, so I'll just say the one that I, I went to and I, I wanted to make sure I checked out was uh, Matthew Bremer, who's uh, from Microsoft. He and Bongshin Lee and one other person whose name I'm forgetting have this new tool called Charticulator. Um, and I'm not quite sure how I feel about the name. Uh, but but um, it's a tool in the browser um, where you you know sort of have this sort of like combining illustration and data binding um, and it was just interesting you know I, I've only played with it a little bit online and there's some videos but like it was really as it usually is to talk to someone and watch someone who's created something show you in first person how it works which is you know which is really it's not just cool to see it, but it's like also it's a different great experience. It's a different experience. And yeah. like you see his enthusiasm for it. Yeah. It's something he built. So, um, okay. So that was day one. Day two, we came back. Um, 9 a.m. Kicking off with Matthew Kay, who is an assistant professor at University of Michigan, talking about uncertainty. Yeah. So Matt gave us a, what do you call it? A biased tour of the uncertainty visualization zoo mm -hmm. uh, and a ton of great examples because the, the, I think he came back to this idea that's been, I feel like repeated a lot lately that is probably not quite right, which is that we don't have good ways of showing uncertainty yeah. uh, because he countered that with, there actually are ways of showing uncertainty that can be intuitive for, for people. We just haven't been good at showing uncertainty right. that yeah. way yeah. historically. Um, and so he talked about some specific and showed us specific examples of how you can do that and some of the ways that they've found uh, to be able to uh, show uncertainty in ways that people get it, right? Um, right? And showed us some, some places where yeah. that doesn't happen, why that is. Um, specifically, uh, you know, we're looking at icon arrays or uh, he turned this uh, continuous data into a quantile dot plot. Yeah, yeah, getting that right? yeah some sort of strip plot sort of thing. But I thought it was interesting, yeah. this idea yeah. that people can, you know, if it's small numbers or small multiples, if it's three or five, that we know what that number is when right. we see three circles or five circles without having to count. Yeah, he had a term for that. Uh, um, supertizing. Yeah, supertizing. So I, I feel like I've seen Matt give a talk before where he used that same word. So that's like, I'm going to get him a t-shirt that just says that. But uh, yeah. yeah um, the thing that popped to my mind as I, was, as I was watching Matt's talk, which I really liked, was he talked about how we want to try to get our, the consumer of the visualization to understand uncertainty. And I also wonder whether we should be talking more about the producer of the graph. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who are making graphs with data and they're not thinking about the distribution or the percentiles or the just the underlying uncertainty of the data that they're using. Yes. Maybe that's a bigger nut to crack. Yeah, I think so. And we had, you know, there were questions on that. Of what do I do when my manager asks me for a number or my, yeah. you know, the, the person who I'm giving it to, they need a yes or a no yeah. of do we make this decision and how it's, it's unfair in a lot of ways to try to boil it down to that or it's misleading yeah. potentially right, right. in big ways that are important. Yeah, it was a lot of good food for thought. Yeah, it was. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so I want to take a pause before we move on to the next talks because something happened at the end of Matt's talk that struck me 
And I know you've been thinking about it as well. So at the end of Matt's talk, he had this great slide that summarized the whole talk. It was like two phrases. It was great. Yeah. And then he clicked over yeah, to he the thank for you a slide. Second, he paused and then, and then, yeah. he the thank you slide. And it's like the and list people of like them, their phones yeah, they're phones out. And, he, and he clicks to the thank you slide. Yeah. And a bunch of us are saying, no, Matt, just go back one slide. Right? So we take pictures of it. And so I sort of made a snarky tweet that, you know, let's end on the, on the, on the, summary. On the summary slide. Yeah. Right? And so he and I were sort of talking later. And, and he made a val totally valid point, which is, well, you know, I feel as an academic, he felt obligated to thank his co-authors. And also, if you have funders, like you might have to yes. thank your funders. My recommendation was, well, okay, so get to the thank you slide and then go back yeah. to the previous That's slide. what I find. I, I do that a lot yeah. or have started doing that, especially bigger presentations, right? right? Where you know you're going to go into some sort of Q&A after yeah. that, where you give your ending, you do the thank you, you let there be the clear sort of end, right. and then you flip to the you next slide or, yeah. that is the key right. point. And then you have 15 minutes of yes. that thing is sitting up there, right? Exactly. But I, but I also wanted to get talk to you about the some of the presentation things that you observed because we've been sort of chatting about this on and off yeah. and so like what were some of the highlights and lowlights of presentation styles that you saw yeah that's a great question you know i talked about it a little bit with johnny and so enthusiasm mm -hmm. and passion is clearly one of the highlight things that i think uh that contributed to all of what i would consider the standout talks from what we saw uh, something else that I think is a lot more nuanced is in how the person presenting honors the audience in terms of being aware of who the audience is, but also not making assumptions about them that might very well be wrong. Mm -hmm. uh, I think counter to that or things that I saw that felt a little off-putting is you know, if somebody introduced something as if it were new and the first time it had ever yeah. been seen before when it yeah. was a pretty popular data visualization that we've all probably seen many it, times. Especially and, this audience. Yeah. yeah, and so that felt like it wasn't honoring who the audience is. Right. Whereas Matt, I actually, I wrote it down because I thought it was, oh, we did this brief sort of interlude uh, to teach us a bit about Bayesian statistics. Mm -hmm. And he started off by saying, if you aren't familiar, I'm going to give you a quick tour. If you are, bear with me for right. a minute. And so that was such... It was really nice. Like such a nice thing yeah. of like, hey, I get it. We've got a mixed audience with people who come in with different knowledge of statistics. I'm going to go through this for the benefit of those who don't know. If you already do, it's just going to take a second. Just take a second. So, you just chill out. Go tweet something. And he yeah. did variants of that a number of times. And, and that others did as well. But I thought he did a particularly effective job mm -hmm. with that. Or there were cases where he'd say something like, you know, I don't have evidence for this, but I suspect. Right. So he's very careful in his word choices, uh, in, in being precise. Right. In how Which he's I think comes from this. him being an academic, doing research, and yeah. that's sort of like probably part of his DNA. Yeah. Um, any things you saw that struck you as like, okay, this is there's a reason why I'm just not as not loving. Yeah. Not yeah, yeah. Yeah. There definitely were moments where I was feeling less engaged. And I think the commonalities, um, self-deprecation. I don't understand well, why this is a thing that people do. I, and I see it more in women and I don't know why that is, but apologizing for things that there's no reason to apologize for. Yeah. Uh, and so don't do that. Yeah. That was a big one for me. It's like, Oh, I'm sorry. My, my, you know, the slide is washed out or, you know, Oh, I just put this together, I, yeah. which I don't think happened here, no, but like, but like seen it, it before. Yeah. It's right. just like, it sets it up in this, you, like the first impression yeah. is like this negative connotation yeah. and I just sort of feel like you can't control the projector like the projector was a little washed out for everybody you can't control it so just you know just power through right um, but that being said I think the, the talks 
on the whole were all yes. fantastic. So yes. I don't I don't want to I don't want to add too much negativity here because I think they all were great. But but I I know we were both sort of sitting there talking about these both of an interest of both of us. So I just yeah. So. Um, okay, so after Matt kicked off, we had another set of short stories. One by Kristen Henry at Data Blick on color. One by Bill Shander on using words and visuals. Mm-hmm. And he took the Menard graphic mm-hmm. and he sort of pulled it apart, mm-hmm. which was really neat. Uh, Nadia Popovich from the New York Times, where she talked about personalizing climate change. And then Alex Wine from Bug Crowd, where he talked about um, tax and linguistics and, and linguistics and, and data biz, all of which I thought were, were really interesting. Yeah, that was really nice. Um, and then we had lunch. And then we had uh, an hour of, now it depends on how you say this, but there's Pachacucha or Pachacucha. And there's one other pronunciation that I'm not Yeah, I'm not even going to try. Yeah. So they're usually like these short talks. They're supposed to be, I think, six, six minutes, minutes. 20 seconds or something. Yeah, and some number of seconds yeah, per yeah, slide. Yeah. And all, Anyway, so I think that the what ended up happening was the organizers just said... Let's do very you, short talks. Yeah, let's just do a bunch of short talks. And so there were a bunch of... They were all really good. Um, I think the one I think we wanted to just mention was Amanda McCulloch's talk. Yeah, so um, that was a standout one yeah. for me. Well, yours, uh, though, I'll also mention oh, because you, you and I have talked about this one before, but I thought, thought it was so neat to see it in person of this, uh, you know, the idea of the circular story yeah. based on a children's <laughs> one that you talk us through, yeah. and then you do it with the, you know, we give a nerd a number, and right. that, that was with great. With this, yeah, with this. Uh, um, Amanda's uh, was very personal, yeah. uh, and she told us about a situation where she'd done some genetic testing and the process of getting the medical results mm-hmm. from that or the results from that back from her doctor and how being someone who uh, she works even in the... Um, yeah, she does global health yes. work, uh, global public health. And she and I were talking afterwards, you know, she she also has in mind, which I think is, is a tribute to her talk, not only her reaction to what she was seeing about herself, yes. but also she's thinking about people that she works with yes. in, in communities around the world. I know she does a lot of work, I think in, in Nigeria or Lesotho or something like that, you know, who don't have the data literacy or the math background that she well, has. And I think that was the point yeah. of if this feels this way for me right. and I do have this context, how is this going to feel to somebody who doesn't? Yeah. And she talked about this interesting shift of going from being primarily the designer of the data to being the, the creator to the consumer, consumer. Yeah. and the the way that that makes her think about now how we create mm-hmm. data. Yeah. Um, I said it was amazingly uh, brave to share yes. that uh, and she did it in such an effective way. Yeah. And she did it. She like made the slides last night. Yes. Like she put it together yeah. <laughs> and like the night before, which is just, just amazing. Yeah. Um, and then finally we closed up with Elijah Meeks from Netflix yeah. Um, who was making this argument about the third, what he called the third wave of data visualizations yep, or the exactly. first wave being the... Driven by Tufti. Tufti and, and Bertin, yeah, yeah. And then the second wave being sort of like the, the period directly after Tufti's books. And then the third wave being what we're experiencing now with the yeah. sort of... Convergence. Convergence of the tools, yeah. Collapse sounds like it's... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the convergence of these tools that... Yes, there's high charts and there's quadrigram and there's data wrapper, but they, that those tools all sit on a D3 framework. And then, yeah. you know, there's the power, there's the power BI and Tableau, but they're all BI dashboarding tools. And so 
these classes was a nice... What I thought was this interesting idea as well of the convergence, not only of the tools or of the modes, I think we call them, but also convergence of the audiences in terms yeah. of their expectations yeah. of what people doing data visualization are providing. Yeah. It was a lot of good food for thought. It was. I will say I, I was expecting more fireworks from Elijah. Given, you know, he, he has some great posts and he's, he's trying to churn some things up and have these debates. And it, I felt a little more warm and fuzzy. Well, and I think I think actually he maybe yeah, had the same because he made a comment uh, expressing similar sentiments that going into this he thought it, he was going to be like the downer right. and uh, but that actually it felt uh, after having seen all the other sessions that there were these common themes yeah. that came up yeah. uh, in ways that were actually I think, exciting and sort of I think I think optimistic. inspiring and yeah. yeah I mean I think there's a lot of obviously a lot of great work going on yeah. Um, and a lot of, I think, great work and talks that we, that we saw. Yeah, and I think it's just a reminder of how important it is to step out of your work every now and again, you know, irrespective of, that, of what that looks like. It doesn't necessarily mean going to a conference, but if there is one where there are people who you will find inspiring, that, that could be one way to do it. But step outside of your work. Talk to other people who have complementary yeah. sort of, because that's one interesting mix here is it's, Everybody sort of touches data visualization in some way or another, but we all come at it from very different yeah. pieces, right? Yeah. There's the journalism side or the academia or the practitioner side, right. uh, and the sort of conversations that, uh, and I think that's a big part of it, right? just the conversations that you have outside of that. Yes. Because this for me is a very different um, conversation in coffee breaks, right? Where it's not the networking, where yeah. you work sort of conversations. It's yeah. like it's meaningful conversations about, about the content, work, not about the and, work, yeah. Uh, which yeah, I think is yeah. really valuable. Yeah, I think for, for me personally, I came to this conference with a with a specific goal in mind for myself. So okay. when I went to Info Plus a few weeks ago in Germany, you know, I saw my pals, right? I saw Andy Kirk and I saw Nadi Bremer and Martin yeah. Lambricks and like I hung out with them. And someone had made this like offhanded comment that like, oh, you know, you can get off the couch now and go meet some new people, right? Mm -hmm. And sort of like, and I and, and I and I've been thinking about that, and I I'm, I mean, there's two sides to that. On the one hand, like, I don't get to see Andy that often, like sure. once or twice a year, right? Yeah. But on the other hand, like, it is part of the conference experience to go meet people. Yeah. And so when I came to Tapestry, I made a conscious effort to go meet. Well, and one people. interesting thing is that you're raising hands at the very beginning. More than half the people, yeah. this was their first, first time, conference. right? And so that was that was for me. It was a conscious effort to try to engage in those conversations. And like, you know, I met the the guy who does data visit Universal Studios. Cool. I met this woman doing data visualization He's in, in Connecticut. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was just, and it wasn't like you know deep conversations that were like no but now you have those connections yeah and it was just like interesting to hear because i think the other thing that i have read out of elijah's writing in the past is a sort of west coast silicon valley perspective yeah. and i definitely come i'm sure i the stuff that i say and write comes at it from an economist researcher dc bubble yes. perspective yeah. right and so it's nice to talk to someone from you know the connecticut state department of health like what are their challenges that yeah. they yeah, it helps us step outside of ourselves, I think, in ways that's helpful. Yeah. Um, well, it's great. It's great hanging out. Yeah. I get to hang out all the time. I know, right? For me, for me this was my <laughs> this, conference this was of coming to <laughs> see people. Yeah. All right, cool. Thanks, Cole. Thanks. Cool. 
And thanks for tuning in, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that conversation uh, between me and Cole about the recent Tapestry Conference. Uh, please do check out all the videos that are now posted online from the conference uh, so you can check those out along with some other blog posts and some Twitter threads uh, about uh, some of the conversations that took place, especially Elijah Meeks's closing keynote. So take a look at the show notes page so you can learn more and check out all of those links. So until next time, this has been the Policy Viz podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you.